If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake, because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Accept no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. I'm flying solo on today's show as we've got a special episode of the podcast today with an extended interview with songwriters Justin Tranter and Leland. You won't want to miss this because the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode and give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. All right, so first, before we get into it with Justin and Leland, normally we'd be chatting about the latest chart news, including Taylor Swift's ascent to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with Look What You Made Me Do. However, we're going to pause on the chart news in today's show, just, just for today's show, only because we're dedicating the entire show to an interview. That said, make sure you tune in to the Chartbeat podcast with Gary Trust and Trevor Anderson later this week, where they'll be talking about Swift's newest number one and much more. So if you want all your Taylor Swift news, wait for Chartbeat later this week. So Today on the show, we've got a lengthy interview with Justin Tranter and Leland. Now, Tranter has written hits like Justin Bieber's Billboard Hot 100 number one, Sorry, Imagine Dragons' Believer, Fallout Boy's Centuries, and Selena Gomez's Bad Liar. Leland has written tunes like Selena Gomez's recent single, Fetish, Dea's Hideaway, Troy Sivan's Youth, and so on. Now, in my chat with Tranter and Leland, we talk about how exactly Fetish came to be and how the song actually got to Selena, what each writer brings to the table in a session with an artist, how Tranter reconnected with his old pal Lady Gaga to write some songs together, and how Leland says it feels really right for him to release his own music today instead of just a few years ago when he, as he says, wasn't as comfortable singing about boys. In addition to all of that, the guys also talk about everything from who they want to work with, including Madonna, Cher, Stevie Nicks, and The Killers, and how I spotted Justin Tranter a zillion years ago at a local L.A. restaurant when he was with his band Semi-Precious Weapons. It's a really amusing story, really. This whole interview is full of fun asides, um, jokey moments. It is super fascinating and absolutely super enjoyable. So I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I had conducting the interview. Um, and it's absolutely such a fascinating conversation. So here's our interview with Justin Tranter and Leland. I see how your tension builds. It's like looking in a mirror. You're touched like a happy pill. But still all we do is fear. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast, Justin Tranter and Leland. How are the both of you doing? Fan-fucking-tastic. Wonderful. 
<laughs> Did you now you both walked in together? So yes. people are listening. You both walked in together. You have no entourage. There are no publicists with you. (laughs) So we're going to ask you everything. Um, No, but did you guys know each other before this? Have you met and worked together? Yeah, we actually, we've never worked together, sadly, Mm. but we're going to fix that. Um, It is happening. And that's Justin that you're hearing right now. Hi, girl. Hey, girl. Um, it's going to be difficult to tell our voices apart. Actually. I know. We both have the same I'll accent. I'll just talk. I'll talk low. Yeah, we both have the San Francisco accent, even Turn though on we're the not from voice. San Francisco. Right, right. Um, but no, you haven't worked together. No, we haven't worked no. together. We just have a lot of mutual friends. We've met a couple mm-hmm. times. We, we, we hung out during the Pride March. Yeah, we ran into each other at the Pride March yep. and walked for a half a mile until I think veered off for a <laughs> coffee break and then jumped back in. Yeah. It was important. You were there still supporting. You just of had course. a coffee break. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I want to talk to you as much as possible, um, but there's a lot to cover in very little time because allegedly we're going to do this in a short amount of time, but we'll see if I don't believe both it. run out the door. Well, I'm going to try. I've got blue cards and everything. Wow. Um, so I can push back a session. I, th- I think, uh, no, that's more important. We'll cancel. G- getting, <laughs> getting paid is, is more important. Um, I think firstly, uh, we should address we your- get paid from sessions. I, uh, thank you for thinking we get <laughs> thank paid. <laughs> well, we can talk about and that. And thank you for thinking I have a publicist. Yeah. That's also very sweet. <laughs> you you got to ampl- we, we got to amplify it for the kids listening here. You, there's a manager outside, three publicists, yes, an agent, and a, bl- a black car waiting downstairs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, we should address your recent work with Selena Gomez because actually, when we scheduled this interview, it hadn't been announced who wrote Selena's fetish, mm-hmm. and then, as it turns out, Leland co-wrote it. Hey, and coincidentally, Justin co-wrote Selena's single before that, yeah. Bad Liar. Um, in addition to, of course, hands to myself. So, and Leland, good for you. And good for mm-hmm. you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Come on. No, come on. You've written a few hit songs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You've also topic. written Fall Out Boy's Centuries. <laughs> yeah. And Justin Bieber's Sorry. Um, you've written a few things. Um, but, Leland, since this is the first time that you've had a song with Selena, mm-hmm. um, take us through how you actually got the opportunity to work with her um, and what that experience was like. Sure. So... I will first start by saying I'm such a massive fan of her and the music. So I wouldn't, I, I was inspired to want to write for it after after Revival, like mm-hmm. after the last run of songs, which I just thought were brilliant. And I was a fan of the writing and a fan of her tone and how her voice sounds recorded. I was just yeah. in. I'm, I was so sold. So I sort of, I've just been working, I think, with the same people for the past four or five years. And... I sort of organized two weeks where all we did was ideas for Selena. Oh, cool. Um, like, I, in, like you and who? Myself and Gino Barletta and okay. Chloe Angelides and Jonas Jayberg. And because I, I will say it's like there are some projects where I know that like that I'm important to this project. I'm a key part of this project. But then there are other projects where I'm like, listen, I'm just a fan. You don't you don't need anything. You're up and running. You're killing it. So. I just I just want to watch from afar and be inspired by the music. Um, but I still was like, oh, my gosh, the ultimate goal for me would be a Selena cut, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sort of banded together for two weeks and and started coming up with a lot of different ideas. And at the end of the two weeks, we looked at everything and fetish, uh, which was then called If I Were You, because we were nervous about it being too much, you know. <laughs> um, Did you, you could have been fetish and then parenthetical, If I Were You. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was Selena who ended up changing it to fetish, oh. which I was really happy about. Yeah. Um, but uh, so at that time, fetish was this sort of the standout idea from those two weeks. And then I took it to the Futuristics who came on and co-produced it and did an incredible job of taking it to the finish line. 
And from that point, we sent it to Aaron Bashuk, who had great feedback right away. And that was who's Aaron Bashuk. Aaron uh, is the head in our Interscope. Um, so you just like, oh, I already know this person. Let me just knock on their door. <laughs> no, or? I mean. Uh, he has Sorry, a great I'm like, no, to you're the fine. average person listening, they're like, how in the world do you get a song of with course. Selena Gomez? Of course. Well, Aaron has a great relationship with the Futuristics. Okay. Um, and I had met Aaron uh, over the past uh, six months because he'd hung out with us during the last Troy album. Right. Um, so we'd become friends through that. And and um, I was like, listen, you know, the first thing I send him, I want it to be, I just want to like go in with fire. Like, yeah. All in. And, uh, and so thankfully we had good feedback right away. And. And he said, you know, just trust me on this. It's going to be a minute, but just like hang on. So for me, I sort of put that song out of my mind that it even existed. And I had to sort of take the role of reassuring uh, some of the other writers and some of the other writers publishers saying, do not send this song to anyone. Do not pitch this song. Forget about the song. And and you and you had given it to Selena's A&R person mm-hmm. uh, and said, she is the only person getting this song. We have not told, sent it to anyone Correct. else. No one ever heard the song except for him and selena and this was like what last year sometime? this was last march so not or last n- march last april march 2016 a year yes. and a half ago yeah. yes wow and that's is that sort of normal with like this i kind don't of thing? really know i mean yeah, Kami, we wrote bad liar in july of 2016 um so after mm-hmm. wow. after that um, and so like almost it, like a like almost a year basically before yeah, something I mean, comes you can, out you can sometimes a song can come out in a month if you're like really close to the project and mm-hmm. the person's ready to release. Right. Um, sometimes it can take three years. You know, it's just like you never know. And luckily, if the song isn't trendy, production wise, right? Because like trendy top line is kind of hard to do. Like unless you're like t- talking about booty songs mm-hmm. in 2012. And, right? when, like, and when you say, sorry, and when you say <laughs> and when you say top line, describe what that means. Oh, okay, so it's actually a really gross term, um, but we all say it because it's just it's like. Um, it helps to just like, delineate. Lingo. Yeah, yeah. But it means like whatever the singer is singing. So I, it comes from um, the era of hip hop and dance music when like a lot of writers were just writing to a completely finished track. So the track was done, and you were just putting something on top. The, mu- of the it. music's all done, and you're just like putting some lyrics lyric on top. You're putting the vocal and yeah, the melody on top of it, the, the lyric and melody. So it's mm-hmm. like that's what top line became. But then it, we, everyone calls us like top liners and not songwriters, which is also like weird. Like no, it's the fucking song, right? Everybody, exactly. And we're, and the role <laughs> now goes beyond. I mean, this is a whole other discussion that I, I do love talking about. But <laughs> the role has be has gone so far beyond just songwriting. Yeah, we are also essentially producers in a sense when you look at the overall project i know yeah. i know you did that with selena and i've done that with projects i've been involved in where it's like we're not just writing the lyric and melody we are doing video ideas and every just everything associated with the project so when you when you gave the song to selena's a and r person and you basically had the, you had the futuristics produce a demo uh, so Jonas Jayberg did the original. Did I would say a lot of the production? He produced the very first version, and then Futuristics came on and just co-produced it, um, and just I would say made it more Selena, um, and did an incredible, incredible job. And one of the four of you songwriters like sing like on that demo. Chloe sang the demo. Okay, and mm-hmm. then and then because we we if you're listening to this, you probably go to YouTube. You can find all sorts of demos of your favorite mm-hmm. songs. Like I found a bunch of Esther Dean demos of Rihanna tracks. And I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> and like am- Esther Dean is well, like the queen of queens. I, I was aside. I was so excited when I saw Pitch Perfect, um, the first Pitch Perfect movie, and they have that uh, the sort of sing off. 
karaoke mm-hmm. bit. Have you both seen Pitch Perfect? I've seen I the first minute, one. Yeah. Yeah, this is so, and this is in the first one, and they're having that battle at the beginning, and it's the songs about sex, and they have to like vamp, and they're having a moment, and then suddenly Esther Dean busts out, and she's like, "No, no, no, come she on!" Does her own song. I'm yeah. like, Incredible. I'm in the theater going, the "She's singing her own song. That's her. She's she's <laughs> having her moment. She's getting to sing her own Full goddamn circle. song." Yeah. yeah, I'm like, she's in a movie, and she's the star, and she gets to sing the song that you know from Rihanna. Anyway, so I just thought <laughs> it was cool. in the theater. I just I just thought it was nice that like a songwriter was like getting this like moment to shine with yeah. the song yeah, that really she beautiful. wrote, which was a huge hit. Yeah. Anyway. So, Rihanna, I mean, not Rihanna, Selena got it. Maybe Rihanna someday. Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. You could be working with her right now. (laughs) That smile on your face is telling me everything. Um, And then when did you actually hear that she was like, yes, it's a go, we're going to do this? Um, So, you know, throughout the process, Aaron was just like, just trust me. It's all good. So I think we maybe, Aaron and I talked about that song maybe four times between March and December. And then in December, he said, uh, she's cutting it. Um, can I have the lyrics? And that's always a good sign when, when you're asked to send the lyrics over. Just, just to make sure that they didn't get them wrong? Uh, just so she needs, she has them. I don't think, right. I don't think oh, anyone okay. had had them at that point. Um, and then she cut the song and sounded amazing. And then I would say a few months later, we um, found out about Gucci Mane being on the song. And then a month later, that rumors of a video being shot... Um, you know, but you don't get screenshots or pictures of a video. So you just like, why of, would you? You just wrote right. the song. Like, why would right, you right, necessarily right. find out about the video? For me, I've just completely come to terms with it's out of my hands. Yeah. And and I'm folk at that point. I've written so many other songs between March and December. My my focus is on other projects. So it was just a pleasant surprise. And, and then I heard Bad Liar, which I loved. And thought that was such an amazing opening song for this era. Yeah. And um, and then did not know Fetish was the next single until the end of the music video for Bad Liar. When uh, <laughs> when Queen of Pop, Sabrina Carpenter, sent me a screenshot and a like, text of the... Uh, I could have told you. The- sorry, I should have texted you. I knew it was the second single. <laughs> See, now it's good that you guys know each other yeah. in, a more, yeah. you know, in a more friendly fashion. Yeah. Can- oh, of course. I mean, I love being surprised. Um, I had a good feeling about the song, so I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when, and and it's the rollout has been so incredible. And how they just went from Bad Liar to Fetish was also really cool. It well, just I thought for like sure a... it was going to be like a sequel at the end of Bad mm. Liar. I was just like, what happens now? Yeah, what happens? How? Ooh, where? <laughs> Lesbian overtones. Um, <laughs> And undertones. And yeah. undertones. <laughs> just tones. Yeah, um, lesbian tones. Mm-hmm. Lesbian tones and highlights. That sounds like our acapella group. <laughs> <It does>. Well, <laughs> I do call myself a lesbian, though, but that's a whole other story. You're a lesbian impersonator. <laughs> I am a lesbian impersonator, yeah. exactly. Um, when have you, okay, so have you actually heard directly from Selena herself? Yeah, well, at dinner through uh, through Aaron. So you actually um, had dinner with her and she... We didn't have dinner. I had dinner with Aaron and the writers, um, I think, the day of the release. And we just talked, and and she uh, sent all of us a very sweet message. So you got a message from her. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. It's wonderful. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. I, I, again, am just like in awe of the music that she's been putting out. I feel really grateful to be a part of, I think, some of the best like moments right now for her musically. She's having like, like the last album and this project. It's incredible. I think it's so interesting what she is doing with the music and the imagery and the sound. It's it's just sort of taking her from here 
and just she's maturing and graduating to a whole other place over here. It's just really cool. And I think it's just sonically imagery. The whole shebang is like really, mm-hmm. really cool. She's amazing job, Justin. <laughs> I, I, I cannot take credit. It's very artistically driven, though, which is great. And yeah. I know she's at the helm with those ideas. Yeah, and- she's, her taste is like impeccable. She's like the ultimate. And her and Aaron Bashuk make like this dream team, mm-hmm. like the A&R artist dream team of like the coolest taste wanting to push every boundary possible not being afraid to push boundaries because mm-hmm. I mean it, it is at the end of the day she's an artist that's you know a lot of her success has been based on pop radio and pop radio has trends you know it's a mm-hmm. very it's not a, a listener driven format obviously it's you know but it's it's getting cooler and cooler and mm-hmm. iHeart with all of their amazing rebranding and John Ivy and Tom Pullman and all these guys they want they want pop radio to be just as exciting as the music you can find online. Right. Um, and so it's really cool to see someone like Selena Gomez, a, a, a Disney alum in this really classy, slow, like mature way push all like she, I, I think Selena pushes more boundaries on pop radio than almost anybody. I agree. Um, so you kind of answered this question already, Leland, but I was curious. And I think a lot of people always ask this question very sort of like snarkily, on the internets when they see songwriting credits for a song mm-hmm. and there's eight, nine people. <laughs> so for this particular track, mm-hmm. there are eight songwriters, um, four of which you already named, mm-hmm. four of you, the four songwriters who actually worked on the track together that wrote the music and the lyrics mm-hmm. for the song. I'm assuming, and then Selena's on here, so that's five. She mm-hmm. probably changed some lyrics. She and did. adjusted it for herself. Yes. And then there are, well... Three others. Three other people. I'm assuming two of those are the producers. The Futuristics. And then who's the... Gucci Mane. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) See, for pop songs like this, when it's assembled in this way, and I say assembled, I don't mean that in sort of like, oh, it's a menu. You know, it's just like, that's how it works. When you have a songwriting team, like Justin, you and Julia Michaels often work together. So immediately, that's two people. Right. And when the producers come on, that could be anywhere between one, two, three people, depending Mm -hmm. on if it's a Swedish production team. Who knows how many people are in that room? Depending on the artist. Yeah. And if there's a feature. Or yeah, if it's Imagine Dragons, there's immediately four people. Right. And you co-wrote Believer with Imagine Dragons. I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, well, one thing I want to say about it too is that it's you know, actually I got like in a, I, I don't really get in arguments on the internet because queens don't argue, but <laughs> I get in a, in a discussion yesterday, um, and I was like, well, but you also have to understand about this topic of all these different writers mm-hmm. and how can it be honest and real if that if it's all these people? And I said, well, you, you know, it's you also have to look at it too because the the money in the record business is shrinking the money in the music business is growing and growing right, and the but, record business but the is record shrinking labels, yeah. that now like if things were in the current paradigm back in the day every band member would have publishing even if it was just the lead singer who like wrote the main chords and the and the lyric and melody he you know he back in the day just the lead singer would have all the writing credit right mm-hmm. now all the other band members would get writing credit for the the parts that they played that might have been specific enough to 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 garner writing credit the producers are getting publishing and it's because there's just there's no money Right. So we're all sharing so that people can still keep making music. We're all exactly. trying to slice up that songwriting so we can right. all make a little bit of money you know, because a, we're not making anything from royalties of selling music. Of really. course. Right. And and the producer, the sound of the track has become so integral to a song that the producers are in the room from the beginning of the songwriting mm-hmm. process for mm-hmm. the majority of, of songwriting now. Right. So it's a different thing where it's like 
you're not just writing the song alone and bringing it in because it's so much of the song is based around how the production sounds. So everyone's getting writing credit. So it's like, you know, you look at certain things back in the day. If it was made right now, the producer would get writing credit. The guitar player might get writing credit. All these different people would get writing credit because one, they probably deserve it. Mm-hmm. And two, that's the only way they're going to make money. Correct. <laughs> um, and it, it is a true collaboration now. Yeah. I mean, that song was a true collaboration. Yeah. Uh, um, I mentioned Imagine Dragons a second ago. Yes. Um, you co-wrote Believer. Yes. Um, and earlier this year, I spoke to the band for this podcast. Amazing. Um, and their lead singer, Dan Reynolds, had a really wonderful thing to say about writing with you. And, and I will read you what he said. Oh, how she. Um, he said, uh, when we got in the room, meaning you and him, he said, he said, I said, look, this is the first time that I've written with someone else. And I feel I have to write my own lyrics or I feel weird about it. And I just wanted to get that out of the way. And he said, and Justin was like, look, I am here to help you be the best version of you. And he said, that was really important to me. And Justin was just such an incredible sounding board and brought so much to the table. They were just such a rad team to work with, meaning you and... Matt, Man and Robin. The, yeah, the, the Swedish folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so can you talk about how you actually collaborate with an artist and what the typical, if there is a typical situation, is like when you're working with an artist, you know, trying to write a song together and maybe you haven't worked with them before you obviously knew Dan because you guys have been friends well we actually know we just met I had known but his you, wife his wife though. but I had never met him okay so the first day we met was in the studio you were pre-approved though he, I was pre-approved yeah. by yeah. the by his wife who is the greatest rock star of all time in my opinion and I'm not exaggerating um anyway so uh my favorite thing to do is like you walk into the room and it's like you figure out what the room needs right what the what the collaborators need and i feel so grateful to come into my career as a pop songwriter after having 10 years in my band like wearing and doing and singing and saying and it was all my vision and of course collaborated musically with my band members but lyrically and visually it, it was all i literally called my band members and said this is the name of the band and you're in it like it was like this you know so i had that whole rock star pop star ego trip for 10 years and so now I'm like really ready to just help other people tell their stories and help other people be like Dan said the best versions of themselves um so kind of walk into the room and whether it's a co-writer or whether it's an artist or whether it's the producer kind of see where I can like fill in the gap because at this point in my life like she's old um and like I don't really have uh, she I mean me I'm like um, if you're old then I'm dead like, cool <laughs> alright thanks I don't really have that like when I was 20 right or like 25 or even 29 I there's like songs that I had to write do you know what I mean like it was like there's something that I had to say or I was gonna fucking die I don't have that anymore. And I don't think that makes me a less of an artist. I think it just makes me a different kind of artist. Of course. Well, that's a sense of awareness, which yeah. is so important, especially when going into rooms. Yeah. And so I love going in there and being like, okay, so I, and I could, you know, whether Dan said it or I've sensed it, or whatever, whatever the situation is with each different artist, you kind of sense, like, like with Julia, right? The first day I met Julia Michaels, even though she wasn't being an artist yet, it was just writing for herself through, and it's a very long, hysterical, fabulous story, but it was very clear, like, she needed to like talk about her life and that she was very anxious to work with new people. And so I was just like, all right, cool. Like I was like four months into this pop writing circuit of where you like meet new people every day. And it was like an amazing thing of like, okay, I I can totally let this girl lead the way. I can 
I can just elevate the whole situation mm-hmm. and I, of course, write my ass off. But like, you know, I don't know. So I, I love that that feeling of of figuring out what the room needs and, right. and being the one that can do and it. Some days you get to go in and you get to contribute a lot or take the lead on the session, yep. steer the ship, everything. And then some days you're just filling in gaps. Yep. You are simply good energy in the yeah. room. Um, and it's I think that's a really great balance. Can yeah. you both can you both when you when you write with someone are you can you are you like oh well let me jump on a piano over here or let me play a guitar or let me just think of some lyrics is it just like i can kind of do everything it's whatever the room calls for yeah exactly and like i i know like i think everyone has their strengths but sometimes like like with dan reynolds is a great example like i know my my strengths are lyrics for the most part um and like big dramatic melodies like you remember me first century like big drama um but like the you, you sometimes you see like with Dan like he really especially in the verses like it needed to be the details of his life and only his life mm-hmm. and so I was like well I'm not gonna get in there and be like oh here's a cool rhyme for your life mm-hmm. like that's I would just like kill the vibe totally inappropriate so it was you it, even though you know your strengths if you want to win and not even win if you want to not I mean win in the sense of money fuck that if you want to win creatively it's like okay maybe I do just write the chords on the piano today because I can do that or maybe it's just like pushing the melody to make it better or you know it's like it's kind of just depends on the situation situation. the last thing you want is to force yourself into a song where it's not necessary because then you're burning bridges you're killing the vibe of the room (laughs) I mean a lot of people do that too and and it's not yeah yes (laughs) and it is exhausting and I've sat in rooms where I'm with the artist and maybe a couple other writers and I'm like the other writers the artist is here telling us what he or she wants and we're going against that that's exactly what we had it we had it we had someone in at this table uh last week and we were asking them you know oh what's it like to collaborate you know when you're writing songs and, and they were like well i've had those situations where i'll go in and say well here's what i'm thinking and they're like oh that's great how about this and she's like um we're talking not- about my life <laughs> right and this is what i'm <laughs> And so why are, why, and she's like, yeah, so you don't work with those people anymore yeah. and you right. move on. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I love to also to just, um, just talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love to talk in general, but I love to talk to the artist or to the co-writer and you just find the song in there. If they don't already have the song, if they're, if they're not like this is what I need to talk about today, find the song in their life because right. then whether it's an artist or your co-writer, they're going to feel way more, uh, in touch with it and mm-hmm. way more like it's theirs and like you know everyone's gonna take it more seriously even if it's fun like Kink by the Ocean I was literally I'd worked with Joe for a week um, and we were kind of like all taking ourselves too seriously and um, Julia was like I can't I can't do this project it's not making sense for me so she left and the next day I went in and I was like I think we need to be fun like you're a fun guy like you're fun and you're fucking hot like we should like write a song that's really like, let's play up to like the fun hotness like, like that's who you that's who he mm-hmm, is like of mm-hmm. course he's a multi-dimensional human who has lots of things to offer but right. in that moment I was like let's just let's just go where you are and Joe, um, Joe by the way needed that I think well thank you and so, he's, I mean they, they, and it worked because it was such a huge hit and it was the right look the right image and the right vibe yeah for what he and I think that rest of that band needed because yeah. that band is like a fun like yeah. freewheeling band. I mean, I mean I the, was the, the bass couple, player was in my band. Yeah, for I was, I was, yeah. I was so with cute, a couple right? friends yesterday, and I forget how it was brought up, but we were. I think we were talking about Joe in the Charlie video for Boys, mm-hmm. and then uh, that went into D and C E. We were like, D and C is here to stay. 
They are so good. The yeah. vision is so smart. It's fun. It's great songwriting. It's just, it's good. It doesn't. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's a point being like, it's yeah. just about getting that honesty, even mm-hmm. if the honesty is cake by the fucking ocean, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. That, in that moment, that was like the, that was like the way to get to Joe's core, and mm-hmm. like it, obviously you see it works, and yeah. so to me that's like the most the, the best part of what we do. Um, I, I want to ask uh, you, Leland, about how you release re- you recently released released <laughs> you recently released your single mattress. Yes. Um, was it always the goal to be both like a songwriter and then like an artist, the um, singer? You know, I would say it. It's changed over the past couple years. Uh, two years ago, I wanted to do the artist thing. I've always felt like an artist. I mean, as, uh, I started music because I, I was performing and singing original songs uh, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast at different casinos up and down the coast. Shut yeah, up. Um, Not a casino queen. Yes. yes. Full casino queen. Um, and, and then that sort of, I realized that I did not know who I was as an artist. And I actually realized the other day when I did an interview without, they premiered the song and he asked me why I wanted to wanted to do the my like Leland artist project now, and it's because I realized I am completely comfortable with myself. And so it was two years ago I was not there yet. Three years ago I wasn't there yet. It could be a year ago that I necessarily just wasn't there to sing about boys, say exactly what I wanted to say, sing the lyrics comfortably. Um, and so I definitely know that four years ago I was not in a place where I was comfortable and and saying those things. So it feels right now. Um, and it also feels right because the resources are there. The friendships are there. It, the, and the desperation isn't there, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, two years ago, I, I felt like I, you know, if I would, I just didn't necessarily have the resources and I felt desperate to become an artist. And I hit a, a a wall, I guess, where I was like, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shifted my focus and energy to writing for other people and doors flew open. Um, and now approaching my artist project this time, it feels really not easy, but it feels right. Mm-hmm. It feels like beautiful and, and the doors that are opening and the way that it's being received and, and everyone is so receptive and, and the song is real to me and I'm not having to say, oh, it's it's about a girl or it's about whatever. It's true to <laughs> me, you know, so... Um, so yeah, now it feels like the right time and I never in a million years would have imagined out premiering a song of mine and, and having the headline be queer songwriter, artist Leland, you know, all of that just, just feels really nice and, and yeah, comfortable. Um, Justin, I'm going to, I found that you released your own track earlier this year. Did I? You released your own single. No, uh, forever from the Lego oh, Batman movie. Not, <laughs> I mean, we can't really call that a, a, my own single, but yeah, sure. Well, it's your own song. Yeah, yes, uh, yes. But you don't have. Uh, there's not a whole lot of wealth of material that's just under your name. I mean, no. obviously, there's semi-precious weapons. Yeah. Um, but there's not a whole lot of stuff that's just you. No. Um, is that on purpose? Like, are you? Did you want to just do your own? Like, is is a solo album from you coming at some oh, point? Oh God, no. No, I'd rather die. Really. <laughs> Yeah. Why? Um, I just feel like that time of my life is done. Um, I mean, obviously, never saying never. I could honestly see myself like. Is it because you can like retire right now from all the money you've made in the <laughs> no. last two years? Yeah, no, I've got a lot of family members to take care of. We're just <laughs> so many babies, so you know, many cities. Um, but no, I just I feel like I said it before. Like the the need to to tell my story um, isn't there anymore. Okay. Um, 
you know, obviously, I, I could see like a, like if I write like the all the songs to a TV show or something, like mm-hmm. some really weird TV show, and then like there's an album with that or something. But I couldn't see myself doing a traditional single album radio promo. You are totally thing. Billy. You're totally Billy Joeling us right now. What does that mean? Well, because Billy Joel's last pop album was. Uh, River of Dreams, I think, in, like, 93. Okay, wow, I didn't and even know that. since then, all he's done is do concerts. He did a classical album. Yeah. And he's done some live albums. But he's done no new pop material wow. since, like, 93. Crazy. And he's just like... He doesn't want to. Well, yeah. I do what you want to do, and I think there's he doesn't a, want to. a power that comes with yeah. that. Um, I think that's great. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's... um. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel necessary, and like there was so much time in my life where it felt so necessary, and also too like seeing all the amazing famous people I get to work with, they all love making art and they all love being creative, but no one likes being famous. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. so like when you are that close to it, and you're like, well, no one actually. Some people get addicted to it, right? Um, but no one actually likes it, you know. So. Um, yeah, there's just, there's no, there's no need. Okay. Yeah. Um, you, you get to do all the, you get you, in your position, you get to do all those things of, of being a performer, recording artist, except without the, oh, you're being spotted in Ralph's. And like, it's like, no, I get to, yeah. I can go to shows. I can get into all sorts of cool places. Yeah. I can get to write songs. I get to perform. Yeah. I get to do, I get to hang out with cool, fun people, yeah. you know, but I'm not going to be like accosted by paparazzi yeah. somewhere. No, and also too, you know, a huge part of what I do is is based in like activism, and um, to me, I feel like the there are people that have similar stories that I could tell, but that have been even more marginalized, and that have mm-hmm. um, their lives have been way harder. And I, I would rather elevate them to tell their stories at this mm-hmm. point in my life because I, you know, there's like three Sunny Pressure Weapons albums that everyone can listen to. You know, like. Um, if they want to hear Justin, they can go back. They can go back, yeah. Um, you know, and Aviation High is probably the closest thing to like my pop career. If they really want Justin, the pop star, like there's there is that moment. But um, you know, like, one of the artists signed to my label is a woman named Shia Diamond, who's a black trans woman who was incarcerated for um, for like ten years. I think and Shia might might have done like there, she might be in our office in New York today. She is, I think, doing like a like a an live office performance. performance. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, yeah. But so, you know, I'd, I'd rather spend that energy on letting her tell her story, you know, or this kid, West period that I just signed. We're putting his single out next week. Um, he's like a mixed race kid from the suburbs and like his parents both come from these completely different backgrounds and he has all these awesome stories to tell and he writes and produces alone. And it's like at this moment in my life, I would rather elevate those people to tell their stories. Um. I, I've kept you both here way too long. Um, well, quick sidebar. Well, well we're not, I'm not throwing you out, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was at Sayers Club, Justin, when you performed Aviation High for the very first time. Whoa. We didn't know each other. Neither Shut of us were writing pop songs. Up. Um, but I was at that show. I think I have pictures. I think if you scroll deep into my Instagram, there is a picture from that show. No mm-hmm. way. I don't wow. know why I was there or who I was there with. or Tiniest but, world. Yeah. But I remember, I remember that show and I remember that song very vividly. Wow, amazing! Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't there. <laughs> Sorry, but you missed out. Uh, you once passed me at El Cholo in Santa Monica. What was I wearing? Oh, something <laughs> over the top. This was semi-precious weapons days. Yes, and I, we were sitting there in a booth having dinner. And I'm like, hmm. just eight feet tall from the heels, <laughs> and I was like, that 
I think that was the singer from that band. Um, Some impression. They were in Lady Gaga's video for <laughs> Telephone, and everyone at my table was like, "Who?" I'm like, "The the guy with the blonde hair, and he was in heels and boots, and he, I think he had fishnets. How could you not?" Do you know what actually? Too. Um, it might have been you and the whole band. I'm yeah, not quite we, sure. I think the whole band and Cole, the bass player, threw up in that El Cholo that day. Oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have been the food. It wasn't the food. No, it was from the (laughs) obscene amount of drinking that we did before we even got to Elgin. I don't know how he drinks anything because he has abs and like. Well, the abs are literally tattooed on, though. They're tattooed on. It's like like in a funny way. He has he has tattoo abs. Yes, but he also has a great body. So he is. Yeah, he works out a little bit. Um, So (laughs) so let's do let's do this kind of quickly. Okay, Um, Leland, Mm -hmm. who is on your wish list of people that you like to write songs with? And it could be another. It could be another songwriter. Could be Justin. Of it could be, an, or it could be just an artist that you love. Um, I want to work with Taylor Swift. I want to work mm. with Florence and the Machine. I want to work with the Killers. Um, I want to write a musical. Um, I just finished scoring a film that was on my bucket list, so that'll come out next year. Called Casino Queens. Uh, <laughs> called Casino Queens. No, uh, <laughs> called Sierra Burgess is a loser with uh, Shannon Purser from Stranger Things. Mm, um, cool. Troy, Ali X, myself, and Bram wrote a song she sings in the movie. And then Bram and myself scored the movie. So it'll be yeah, in so theaters next cool. year. Uh, and then I, myself, and Ali X have, as of right now, every song on the soundtrack. Wow. Fun. Um, but yeah, I want to work with those artists. I just want to work with bands that I love. I grew up listening to bands um, I, and great pop people. And also just not pop. I want to work on all sorts of things. So I'm just sort of figuring all that out. You know, I'm, I think Justin and I are in a similar place where I'm not doing the two session a day, like hustle, hustle, hustle anymore. Uh, Are you doing (laughs) incredible? (laughs) I, I, for me, like just like for mental health, I have to like focus on a few things at a time that I am super passionate about and that I love. Um, So for me right now, that's Troy, Savan and Dea and, like myself, I guess. Um, by, by the way, uh, Troy, Dea, and Aliex have all been on the podcast. I as well. love Aliex is just queens, on a few weeks. Ago. All of my queens. Um, same question, Justin. Like, who is on your wish list that you haven't worked with yet? That uh, obviously, there's probably people that you've worked with that we don't know about that we can't talk about. Totally. Like, you know, you could have worked with Madonna in the past few months. I you, wish. You can't tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, so Madonna's on your wish list. I mean, I would love that. Why that's the hell not? That's with together. Yeah, done. Yeah, let's make that happen. Um, I would I mean, like, Beyonce is a big, a big thing for How me. How does one even get into I don't, you Beyonce's are in the right circle? Place for it to happen. I don't know. I mean, Big John, the CEO yes. of Warner Chapel, is, is, yeah. Yeah, is very involved in her creative life. But, you know, it's she likes, like, really, like the coolest of the cool well, yeah. but I think like when you like, I've had enough like big down the middle pop hits that I might not be cool enough for her anymore you're not you're not There's edgy outside of the There's yeah away, though. I have um, no doubt. but um, yeah so Beyonce and then Stevie Nicks is the real is mm. the real dream Can, let's, Tina Turner mm. okay um, okay so um, <laughs> share the Stevie yeah. song on Lana's album is oh it's gorgeous. gorgeous did Stevie write it I don't know actually. I don't know hmm. but you should Definitely try yeah. to make that happen. Well, you know how like Jack White has done like a couple albums with like Loretta Lynn. Exactly. And, yeah. That's like I would yes. love to have that moment with like Stevie or I've worked Icons. a lot. I've worked a lot with Courtney Love. Um, she interviewed you for something for Out Magazine. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I, there's something about uh, women who have actually lived a life that are so inspiring to me mm-hmm. that I would love to like be able to help them tell Ooh. that story and not and not 
shy away from the amazing life they've lived in their mm-hmm. age. And it's funny, I on, on my list I had uh, Madonna, Janet, uh, <laughs> of course. I, I had I had I have a divas of a certain era. Yeah, Celine. Ugh. Uh, that would be awesome. It'd be amazing. Incredible. Um, well, you know, Gwen was always yeah. a huge one. And I got to do an entire album with her, so that was like that was you know that was a big weight off of my. Uh, career-driven shoulders. Do do, do pop stars get precious about who else you work with? I mean, I think that people... I've heard of that happening Mm -hmm. um, to other people. Uh, I've witnessed it happen before I was a pop writer. I've Mm -hmm. witnessed some some people not being too happy. But um, I think in this new era, I think that that's kind of over. Yeah. I feel Um, like it is too. Yeah. I think it just comes down to everyone has to pay bills. Yeah. And everyone wants to... (laughs) Wants make to just music. make music and make a living making music. The the LA scene is really the LA pop scene is really amazing mm-hmm. and it's really healthy and it's really honest and it's there's the you know, if there's if there's like competition it's a very healthy competition. Um, to me, it's much when I was in a in a rock band in New York, which was supposed to be a great like scene for bands. It was awful and no one talked to us and everyone was straight and they hated us because mm-hmm. we were fun and over the top even though the guys in my band play their instruments way better than all those other losers but um you know anyway it was so it's like but the scene here is really beautiful and the it artists does. that are working with co-writers they become a real part of it you know they become a um they're a part of our our, our pop scene too and, and it's yeah and it's, they introduce you to other artists yeah I, I feel like every artist i work with has introduced me to another artist saying you have to like telling the artist you have to work with Brett. Yeah. You know, so that I've, I have not experienced, but I'm, I'm not the artist on the other side. Yeah. But I've even seen just from like releasing mattress, like the support from the artist, the artist that I've worked with mm-hmm. has been not, not unexpected, but just a really nice surprise. And yeah. everyone supports everyone. Yeah. So I, I haven't experienced that personally. Yeah. Um, this is might be a stupid question, but Justin, have you, you you toured with Lady Gaga. Yeah, you're. I'm assuming you're you're still friends with Gaga. Yeah. Have you ever written with her? I have. What, and I just didn't know that. And it's been on an album, and I'm an idiot. No, it, ha- no, it hasn't come out. Oh, okay. Um, but you worked on something, and it's just in the the vaults somewhere. Yeah. And it was pretty. It was pretty awesome too, because it was a very full circle moment for us. Because you know she was a huge fan of our band. That's how that's how I ever met her is because she was a huge fan, and we had heard that there was this girl named Gaga who was also like a high level music school nerd who was putting on this insane visual, very as well. visual. Um, and so it's like, oh, okay. And like, it was actually someone at Columbia was t- talking to both of us, my band, and talking to her about maybe signing us a million years ago. And they asked her who, like, what music she loved. And she's like, oh, my favorite band in the whole world is a band called Sandy Precious Weapons. And so someone at Columbia told us about her. Um, and so we had her open for us because she was a fan. Incredible. Um, Lady Gaga once opened for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, that, so it was just, she, she was a fan of ours. So we had her open for us. And then we obviously thought she was dope. Um, and then she becomes the biggest star in the world. And then we go and open for her. And then... Um, of course we stay friendly but like we you know we're both very busy you're, you're busy people and so we don't really and then all this stuff happens for me and I get these uh, texts from some a number I don't have because obviously she has to change her number a lot because people are creepy mm-hmm. and she's like yes I can't believe this someone just told me all that you wrote all these fucking songs oh my god oh my god and I was like you're like who, who is this? this? <laughs> New like, phone. Who this? Girl, it's Steph. And I was like, what the fuck? And so then it was just really like, a, and so then we go and work. And then she was like, oh my God, to see you, you know, the day after we work, she texts me like to see you do your thing was so amazing, you know, because it was me and Julia with her. And like, 
to see her for her to see me in my new element where I feel really confident and really comfortable. Um, I don't know. It was just a really, it was a really very full circle moment. Wow. It's good to surround yourself with nice artists too, because it seems like, and and then we'll, we'll stop. It seems like, (laughs) sorry, it seems, I mean, I I have not spoken to Gaga, but um, the, the other host of this podcast who is not here right now, um, we had Gaga on a couple weeks ago on the show I mean, we did a phone her with her, and she was lovely. Yeah. Gaga has always come across as just a lovely, nice, warm, well-meaning person. We've had Selena on the show, and I've talked to Selena in person. And I'm like, unless this is an incredible act, and you're an actress who's like, you know, bar to none, like, you are, like, super nice. Yeah. Troy is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, so sweet. The best. And I'm like, you know, it probably helps when you work with, like, good people, and you feel like it's, like, a good, warm, creative environment. I'm sure you probably worked with people that are not probably the nicest people in the world. But it probably helps a little bit when you have that connection. You know? I, I've I've been pretty lucky. Almost everyone I've worked with has been really nice. And if there is weirdness, it's because somebody's You're insecure. having a bad day. Exactly. Or because, like... And I, you don't, know, I don't have time for that, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I don't got time for that. I, I see. I, I sense that insecurity. I just want like, come Aww, here. Let's, come do, here. Like, let's do seven sessions. Let's hug it out. And on the seventh <laughs> session, we're going to get a great you song. And we can do this. You know, like, I love that. To me, I love that the challenge. challenge, you know. Yeah. Um, now with other with like other just pop writers, I do not have time for There's that. There's no patience. If you're not if you're not if we're not gonna like be friendly and like just right. be good and like really collaborate mm-hmm. on the first go, no girl, I got a, I got a dog at home. Right. I'm gonna like, you, I can't. know who you work well with. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um well this has been lovely. This has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time. I kept you way longer than I anticipated. It's okay. It still feels so short. So short. Yeah. Well great, let's just keep on suck. I'm kidding. No, you have to I'll go make money. Forever. You have you have like a writing session. Are you allowed to say, like, is it with someone that we've heard, Justin? Today my session is with this new amazing artist called Steph James, or Stephen James. On, I've uh, heard things. Oh, my God. He's amazing. I He's on Republic. Um, his voice is, like, there's some, like, videos of him online singing stuff. He's, like, 19. He looks like if James Dean was, like, a tattooed vampire. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, ooh, I'm really intrigued. Oh, this is like, interesting. I'm right here. No, he's, like, <laughs> no, he's, like... His voice is gorgeous. His soul is gorgeous. He's gorgeous. Um, it's like sort of like really dark R and B pop music, um, but also yeah, very dramatic. He's amazing. Wow, he's amazing. Yeah, wow, incredible. Yeah, cool. What are you doing today? Yeah, what you doing? Uh, I'm writing with Troy today. Oh, amazing! So, mm-hmm. Send my love. I will. Of I love his new blonde hair. I saw on it's the Instagrams. Everything. It's incredible. Yeah. Are you gonna go blonde too soon? You know what? I don't think that's my journey right now. Uh, I, and also, I don't want to steal the spotlight from Troy. Right. So I'm going to let him have it's his It's really moment. about him. Yeah. He's the star. It is. It you, is. you should do it. I mean, I was blonde. I was platinum for like 10 years, and it is a very freeing it is a very I think I, you know, experience. Before he did it, he was telling me to do it. So I think, sure. it, I think at some point he was like, fine, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. No. Uh, but I think for this next <laughs> chapter for him... He is excited to blondes have more fun. Be blonde. It just feels like a full time costume, and there's yeah. I mean that as a comp. I, yeah. I loved it. It was like you're always was, on. Like, invincible. Yeah. You know? Like whenever I have like people saying really weird, shady, like homophobic shit to me in sessions, which happens about at least once a month. Still? Oh yeah. Well, they don't even know they're being homophobic. Like they're just saying they just shit don't that's know that you're great. Gay or- well, I mean, everyone knows that right. I'm gay. <laughs> Not only am I very proudly feminine, but. Also, I'm like you know the biggest gay at, like activist in the music business. Like, so someone will say something without realizing it's actually kind of a shady. Thing just like 
yesterday I was in a session and the, the guy, the producer was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in town with my family and like we, we rented an Airbnb and I didn't realize it was like in the heart of like WeHo and it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of uncomfortable for my kids. Like they just have so many questions, like why all there's, there's all these men on the Guess street. what? We all have so many answers and, <laughs> that are very simple. And I was like, uh, okay. But when I, when the, and of course I was very polite and we, had, we wrote a great song and everything was great. It's um, called Boys on the Boulevard. Boys it's on coming the Boulevard. out in two months. <laughs> yeah, but it was the, in those moments when you're in those uncomfortable moments. I w- always wish I had full makeup on and platinum hair still because I just feel like a, like a like a superhero. <laughs> and I'm like, he, let's he, discuss. But he would have never then said it, probably. Well, he. Know, I mean, I think he would have. He knows. I mean, so. We worked together before. He okay. knows that I'm, you know, very, very, very gay. <laughs> so I, I, I t- tell me, you're gay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, just to be clear. Um. Well. I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much, you guys. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. So nice. you got a fetish for my love. I'll push you out and you come right back. Thank you so much to Justin and Leland. It was so great speaking with you both. Um, really, like, the intention was not to keep them in the office for 45 minutes, but. Uh, we were having such a great time, and uh, they were in no hurry to rush out the door, and uh, and that was one of the reasons why we wanted to make this this episode just a full episode with them and nothing else because I I didn't want to trim it down really. So, um, thank you again to Justin and Leland. It was wonderful, um, and uh, yeah, that's all we got for this week. We'll we'll have a normal uh, episode with Jason and me next week. And uh, until then, uh, we're going to go out on one of Justin Tranter's biggest hits on the Hot 100 chart. Selena Gomez is good for you. So uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.